Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Reverend Tom Leach, and he's going to talk to us about his near-death experiences. Now, you've had two, is that right? Uh, actually, a total of three, but three. we didn't figure out the other two until after the big one. Okay, so you're free to start wherever you like. Okay, well, um, thanks for having me, first of all, and it, it's it's been a journey to get here, so I'm most grateful and appreciative of that. Um, I like to start with a little bit of who I was prior to my major NDE. And what I mean by that is there were certain personality traits that had been rubbed into me uh, from basically before I was born. Um, I knew very much that I was uh, not going to amount to anything. Um, I wasn't, uh, didn't matter very much. Um, genetics wasn't very kind to me in looks. Um, and, and so this oh. is how I grew up. No. Um, so Where did I you get this, this at? Oh, I had siblings. I had neighbors. Uh, I had, well, of course, we all have that uh, that wonderful mix of puberty and pimples called high school. Um, and so all, all this had been building along. And now on top of that, I was raised Roman Catholic. And so I was guilty about everything. And I was fairly certain I wasn't going to be going to heaven. So I was afraid of death. I was afraid of dying. And I was afraid of it because I knew that when I died, I didn't amount to anything, so I didn't have a choice. Um, and then I spent, you know, pretty much my whole life making those things come true. Um, I got to a point where to get people to like me, I was a very fun drunk. I'd like to consider myself a professional. Um, I did it well. Uh, I also worked full time. I played soccer as much as I could. Um, but it was all about gaining acceptance, getting some kind of version of respect for myself. Um, there was a period of time when I wouldn't even look in a mirror because I had this long hair that used to curl and I'd have to use a brush to curl it under. And, and I didn't do it in a mirror. I got very good. At, you can see my hands still do it. Um, I could curl my hair without looking in the mirror because I didn't like what I saw. Um, so I ended up getting into an argument with a friend over something very stupid. We didn't see things eye to eye. Um, there were some things said that just were truly hurtful. And something in me snapped and I said, I'm not going to let people treat me like that anymore. And it wasn't long after that, that I quit drinking. I quit eating French fries and I lost a hundred pounds. And then I died. Oh, <laughs> so I'm glad it went in that order and, and the reverse, not the reverse. Um, so 
here I am now, I'm in a period of my life where I'm starting, quote, quote, starting to feel better about myself. Um, and I, I went to this gym. It wasn't too close, but it wasn't too far away. Um, and I decided I was going to do a nice power walk, get in the hot tub, rest my knee a little bit, and then move on with my day. Um, and up until that point, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful morning. It was beautiful outside. It was cold as hell. And I didn't know that at the end of the day, I'd end up in the ICU. Because my, my power walk went as planned. My dip in the hot tub went as planned. I even swam across the pool to get into the locker room, took a shower. And then as I was trying to get dressed, I couldn't sit up anymore. I had no energy. Um, I asked one of the staff to get me some orange juice. I thought maybe my sugar was low. Um, and, and that didn't help. And, and, and then lying down didn't help. And so I said, please call the paramedics. How old were you then? That was in 2008. So I would have been 27, not 27. 47. <laughs> um, that new math gets me every time. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, February 27, 2008. What, what was scary about it is I had been an EMT prior to that. So I had just enough in my head to know Something was going on, but it didn't feel like a heart attack to me because people that I'd seen with heart attacks were holding their chest and in a lot of pain. I didn't feel anything other than I had no energy. Um, so the paramedics show up. He puts the leads on. He reads it. He puts leads over to the other side. And I knew that when you do that, you're looking for better information. And I said, let's skip this. Let's go to the hospital. We were about five minutes away from the hospital. So again, I was very blessed to have that happen uh, in such a way. Um, so we get to the ER. Um, they put me in a room where I could pretty much touch the walls on either side of me. Uh, and I knew all the equipment that was in there. And uh, so I'm laying there, they're working on me, they're talking to me, they're asking me questions. Um, all of a sudden, I'm also a photographer, so I, I know that what an angle starts to change, it makes the picture look different. And from my perspective, the picture was starting to look different. And um, and so I was actually kind of angled up from where I thought I was. And the nurses started yelling at me. She's like, you know, Mr. Leach, please stay with me. Please stay with me. Please open your eyes. And I'm looking right in her blue eyes and I can see her pink schmuck. And she wasn't hearing me. And this wasn't 
making logical sense to me. Um, and as so-called time progressed, I was actually looking down on top of them and then everything got dark. And when I say dark, I mean a void. There isn't even a hint of light for me. And no thingness is what Neil Donald Walsh calls it. And that's what it was for me. All of a sudden, everything was gone, black, void, except for my mind. My mind kept racing, racing, racing. I'm thinking, did I turn off the water this morning? I know I forgot to call mom. All of these things are running through my head. The last thing which was running through my head is, you're pretty much dead here, son. And then I saw this, this area that was much brighter. It was light. It was something that was different than the nothingness. And that light came to me. No sound, no motion, no nothing. It was just there. And the, <laughs> the first thing I smelled was aqua velvet. <laughs> Aqua velvet was what my father used to wear. And so my father was the first person to greet me on the other side, which is amazing in the fact that we didn't exactly see eye to eye while he was alive. Um, so to have him be the first one to greet me was just absolutely special. Um, and then I, I felt this wagging on my, my leg, this, and, and it was, it was my dog that, that had passed away years and years and years earlier. And, and, and then the rest of my family was there, my grandfather, my grandmother, the, and then thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of entities, all grateful to see us. And I can't emphasize that enough, is they are so happy to see us, no matter what happened here in the physical world. My dad was the first one there. Did you see him like you see me or was outlines or? No, I have to say the only visual I got was my um, life review. Everything else was sense, feeling, seeing sparkles here and there, um, but a knowing, an absolute knowing of who was there and, and how many were there. It was just an amazing, amazing welcome, like a rock star, you know, it, it, like you're walking out on stage and there's all these people there clapping for you. Um, and having my background that wasn't something that I was used to experiencing. Your life review? Well, no, my life review, my life review came next. Um, but just that excitement of, of being welcomed and it was warm oh. and it was peaceful. And, and, and I'm originally from further north and, and I like to compare it that 
you feel like there's this warm blanket that you're going to wrap around you and you just settle into that peaceful warm light and and you have all your friends and relatives there it, it's just it's it's an experience that i think a lot of us and the years are trying to share with folks that haven't had that experience because somebody who was so afraid of that moment and to come through it the way I did. Now, maybe it was just geared for me. And I've heard those theories as well, but I'll take it. That was a wonderful welcome into the afterlife as we, yeah, as I like to call it. Um, but my life review. Now I had one entity who, now, again, I was raised Roman Catholic, so the only term I can use is angel. And so I had this one angel who kind of was hovering around me while walking me through where we were walking through um, and stayed with me during my life review. Now, my life review was kind of like watching that 360 degree television with 4K clarity. And you're seeing your life pretty much from beginning to where you are. And there were scenes in there that gave me great joy. And, and one of those scenes I'm very, very fortunate to have a picture of. But there was a moment when my son, I had to feed him a bottle. And in my life review, I could feel him squirming in my arms, in the blanket. And I could smell the formula that I was feeding him. And if anybody has ever smelled formula before, you never forget it. Yeah. So here I am, I'm holding my son, I'm feeding him his formula. And that is the moment that they say is the greatest unconditionally loving moment of this, just this child who had no choice but to trust me to feed him. Um, and my, my uh, ex-wife has that picture and I have it and I carry it with me all over the place. Um, but that was, that's what it's all about. It's unconditionally loving moments and how many of them can we create? Um, but at the same time, I had moments that I'm not exactly fond of. Um, not that I was mean or anything, but I, I, uh, I was breaking up with a young lady and, um, and we were doing it over the telephone, which I apologize for that. Um, but instead of being from my side, I felt the conversation from her side. So I felt her emotions was in her dorm room a room I had never seen, but I was there, I was looking around, I was there feeling it. Um, and the emotions didn't, didn't bode very well. And I, and I didn't realize how badly I had hurt. Um, and it was at that moment that my angel friend, the only way I can describe it is he put a wing around me. 
And he said to me, remember here you were learning. And I got to tell you, all those years of Catholic guilt just went whoosh. Remember here you were learning. How many other learning experiences have we had to get what we call wisdom? And it'd be nice if we could give that to others. <laughs> Instead of being mad at them saying, oh, that's where you were learning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're learning. <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it was something that stuck with me afterwards, and I'll bring that back up. Um, and, but there came a moment when they said, in not so many words, maybe feelings and emotions, that I wasn't going to be staying. And, and I did two things in heaven that I never thought I would do. The first one was in that previous experience, I cried. And I never thought I'd have to cry in heaven. And this second one was, I never thought I'd actually argue with an angel. And I didn't win that argument, no matter how eloquent I was. They were not, wasn't my time, as it were. Now, as they were releasing me, okay, I'm sorry. I, I try to say it nicely, but they, when they kicked me out, <laughs> <laughs> they kept saying in my head it was like a b movie they kept saying remember to love remember to love and i'm like what are you talking about and that's been the journey afterwards ever since is remember to love the first and foremost was to remember to love myself I had to learn to look in the mirror and like what I saw. I had to look at my past and understand where all that came from. That all became learning to be who I became. And I was, I was different afterwards um, in, in so many ways. Um, the first one, <laughs> I woke up. How do you describe that? You're, you're leaving and you're waking up. It was still black. It was black, 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 but it was, there were sounds again. There, were, there was weight. Oh my God, I couldn't move. And come to find out, it was dark because my eyes were closed. And the sounds were the, the monitors that were taking care of me. And I had a 70-pound weight on my leg because they had done an emergency catheterization of my heart. I had two, two blockages. They had to fix one right away. That was 90% blocked. I had to go back two weeks later to have the other one fixed. It was 89% blocked. Um, so I got some hardware for that. Um, but I woke up and, and, and I'm hearing this, remember to love, remember to love. And I'm, look, I'm looking around as where is this sound coming from? And it was almost instantaneously that I started thinking, 
did that just happen to me? Because I had never heard of a near-death experience before. To say it was a great dream would be an understatement. Now, how do I explain to my wife and my family what happened to me? My mom, how do I explain to her? And how would we get in REM sleep so fast? Exactly. So, I apparently, I went into the hospital somewhere around 11 or 12 o'clock. I woke up, it was about 2 to 3 in the morning. I have absolutely no recollection as how I got into the ICU unit where I was. All I knew was where I was, and that was reality for me. Um, and so whatever they did to me, more power to them, I have no idea. Um, I knew I was fine, though. I knew in my heart I was fine. And, and they said they wanted to keep me for several days for observation, and I disagreed with that. And I won that argument. I got the chance to go home. Um, but that's when the, the, the real quiet set in and, and I could really ponder what had happened and, and how it was going to affect my future. Um, I knew, I knew I wasn't afraid of dying anymore. I, I thought that was the hard part. Okay. I can live with that. And you're not going to judge me when I get back? I can live with that. So, again, I'm back to the remember to love. I had to start with myself. But I also had to carry that further to everybody that I could think of. Um, I got the idea to open a hot dog cart. And I went from concept to being open in three weeks, I think it was. It was pretty quick. Um, and I was determined, I didn't care whether you bought anything or not. When you walk past that hot dog cart, you were gonna get a smile. You were gonna get a laugh, you were gonna get a joke. You were gonna, you were gonna walk away feeling different because you walked past that hot dog cart. That's a good and idea. This, this is not the same guy before that. Before then, I, I went through life as an uh, empty shell. I, I knew how to love, but I didn't know how to let it in. And now here I am out there on the street sharing it, you know, whatever. And, and then one day the... Um, town administrator comes up to me and he says, you know, you wouldn't happen to know somebody who'd want to kind of sweep up three blocks of Main Street, help us keep it looking, you know, looking nice. He said, you keep your place looking nice. And I thought about it and I thought, yeah, I know somebody who might be, you know, willing to do that. And, and, and so I started doing that <laughs> at like four o'clock in the morning. I didn't realize that the traffic lights actually make a sound when they switch from one to another. It, you don't know that unless you're out there and there's nothing else. 
So I used that time to talk to to God and and ask questions and actually have conversations with somebody who had been this far off figure that you had to pray to a saint that would pray to Jesus who would pray to God, maybe. Somebody will get back to you. Um, so I'm having these conversations and every once in a while when I felt like I got something that God thought I had answered correctly, um, I would find a quarter. Now, yes, we did have parking meters in the area, but where I would find these quarters would be like on a ledge somewhere or um, tucked around a corner in a garden or whatever. It was, it was just all of a sudden they were there. Um, and so I knew that with this conversation was working very well. Um, one day I got into a bind and I needed $100 or my business was going to close or something I had forgotten about. And I literally said what I needed and took three steps. And here is a crisp $100 bill laying on the sidewalk. No wind blew it away. Nobody. It was there. It's those things that we don't pay attention to enough. Right. We, we don't pay attention to the little, there's so many different words for it. Sorry. I like God wink, but somebody wrote a book about that. Mm -hmm. um, but the reminders, the, the hellos, I'm here. Not only coming from one source, but coming from many sources all the help we have from the other side is there. All we have to do is ask. And we don't take the time to ask. It's true. So earlier you would ask me about how many I had had. Um, I, as a eight year old, I had fallen off of a concrete porch and landed on my head. No major damage that we can tell. And, um, but all I remember of that whole experience is a bright light the entire time. It never left me. Um, I was in the hospital. They casted my leg because I'd broken my leg. Um, the next thing I know, I was in my bed, you know, with a, with a cast on my leg. Um, and people have said that that was my first experience. And if you look at a photograph of me when I was seven and then a photograph of me when I was eight, you wouldn't think it was the same person. And, and I never noticed it, obviously, until I started looking back on these things. Um, so then the second time I was having surgery in, uh, in the 80s and they were pulling out the esophageal tube that was keeping me breathing and I woke up in the middle of that and choked. And again, all I remember after that was nothing but feeling warm, comfortable and white light. No any other experiences other than, than that. 
but I, I'm hard pressed to say that those two weren't also near death experiences. Um, but the last one kind of was a kick in the tush. <laughs> now, did they, what do they call it? Massive heart attack or just a blockage or what term? The, the two, the two coronary arteries that were blocked, they, they call it a silent heart attack. Um, so I've heard about them since I've had one. Um, and, and basically they call them the, not the widow maker, but the silence maker, because you just can't do anything. There's no energy, no get up and go, no nothing. I, I had nothing. I would have laid there and just quietly gone away. Yeah, I mean, if you were home, I mean, you probably would just lay down, went to sleep. Where where you were at, you couldn't do that. No. Again, I'm following all these steps that led up to and after that I'm very blessed to have been in that situation. Had I been 100 pounds heavier, would I have been in the gym at all? Or would I have been at home in bed, you know? Would I have been uh, five minutes from the hospital had I not gone to the gym? No, I'd have been about a half hour, 45 minutes just from the hospital. So all of these things put me in the right place at the right time in order to pull me aside and say, hey, look, <laughs> we need to get you back online here. So and these silent makers, there's no pain? That's you just tired, huh? No pain, none. Interesting. So, I say that because, huh? <laughs> I said that was the fun part. <laughs> the year goes in the dentist, and they called the squad. They thought I was having a heart attack because I, I said, "What did you put in that numbing medicine? Like some narcotic?" Because all of a sudden I was floating. And they, so they start checking my uh, blood pressure because they says, we didn't put anything in here, just numbing medicine. And my blood pressure is going higher, kept going higher and higher and higher. My blood pressure is always kind of low. And so they called the squad and I, and I got to the hospital. They're rushing me in. They said, where's your pain? Rate your pain. I was like, I'm the opposite of pain. <laughs> I'm rather chill at the moment. <laughs> I was very chill. And they just ended up saying it wasn't my heart. It was just, which I knew it wasn't because my heart was checked out really good. Um, a heart cath a couple of years ago, they thought a heart attack, thought I had a heart attack. And they said, you have the heart of a 19 year old. You're fine. So I knew it wasn't my heart, but what am I going to say? You know, I was in this state of just relaxed and they're saying heart attack and going crazy. And so it was just a emergency squad built for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. So, but that's but yeah, interesting, I mean, though. You know, to for people to know that that yeah, oh, could absolutely. be without pain like that, just feel really tired, where you can't move. Absolutely. Anytime you don't feel right, you have to be your own advocate and take care of yourself. I mean, that is the biggest lesson of remember to love is take care of yourself. And we don't do that. 
And, and, you know, again, you, I come back to my Roman Catholic upbringing. They tell us to, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I like to say, that, well, that's kind of the problem. Because we don't love ourselves enough to treat our neighbors with respect. And, and we see that all over the place today. And if, if we build up this, the love within ourselves, and then we treat other people differently. You know, I have a son. I made sure that he knew he was proud. I was proud of him and that I loved him very much from the day he was born. And he's 29 now. So we still hang up. We still say, we, I love you. Okay? I didn't have that as a kid. So I wanted to change that. And that's one kid. And that kid went on to graduate from West Virginia University, went to Boston and, and made a pretty decent living for a couple of years up there. And then he's moved back home to Frederick, Maryland, and, and he's doing real well there. West Virginia University in Charleston or Morgantown? Morgantown. 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 He's definitely a mountaineer. That campus on the hill. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the, that's the whole thing is, is we, we are coming back and we are doing two things. We're saying, first of all, have hope because the end isn't the end as we think it is. It's just a transition. And on top of that, they love us so much and all they want for us is for us to love ourselves and love each other. And that takes all kinds of different forms and it's been manipulated over, over this and that or whatever. But if we just treated each other more kindly, more politely. Yeah. And it feels so much better in here than the alternative. Absolutely. And, you, and, and if there's any advice I give to people is don't be the guy I was before this. You know, I was, bent up inside. I was wound up like a twop. I was ready to go. And it doesn't help you accomplish your goals at all. In fact, it defeats your goals. It also puts more stress on your friends and neighbors and relatives if you're not treating yourself right. So when people talk about doing better for the community, the first kernel of that community is you. And how are you gonna interact with that community and how are you gonna expand your kindness and your politeness and your love to other people, just one time, one person at a time, you know? Is that opening the door at the 7-Eleven? That's kindness. Try it sometime. And it's strange <laughs> that we have those changes after NDE when we don't even know what NDE is. We don't know what after effects are. No, no. I had no idea. I had, somebody gave me um, Dr. Moody's book about three or four months after I had happened to me. And so I'm reading the book and I'm going, oh, so I wasn't crazy. This really did happen to me. And that, that helped me talk about it a little bit. Um, 
but it wasn't it wasn't until I was sitting in the uh, ARE uh, Edgar Casey's ARE down in Virginia Beach, and I was listening to a presentation by another NDEer, and I made the mistake of saying to my my girlfriend, "I think I could do that." And she said, "Well, that's really nice. There's a guy right there is <laughs> gave me his name and said, "You go over and talk to him." And about I don't know, maybe six weeks later, I was doing the talk, my very first one. Um, and and it's because of that interconnectedness with NDE folks that I think we find the strength to keep going and, and giving and doing whatever our mission is or was after that. And now um, our, our mission is always in front of us, but it changes with an NDE. I'm gonna turn my phone off. That's fine. So what did that talk feel like? When, when I'm doing the whole talk, I feel like I'm back there. Um, I get goosebumps from almost beginning to end. I got them again tonight. Um, it's, 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 that's why I say it's so hard to get us to shut up is because we get back into that feeling and we just, we don't want to leave it. We just want to keep, you know, and there's no human terms that can accurately describe how we feel. So we're always striving for that next way of saying something. Um, and, and before you know it, two hours have gone by and you're like, wait a minute, there's, there's more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's what it's like. It's, it's, it, it takes you right back there. And I've heard other people say that. Um, so, but I'm very cautious. I don't, um, I don't read any other books. I don't, I listen to some other talks only because I was involved with a group where I had some folks come and talk with us. Um, but I've, I've wanted to make sure that my story stays my story um, and that other things don't bleed into it. Uh, but it's nice to get confirmation when you hear somebody experience the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I know my, nobody else's is like mine, so I don't worry about it. You know, I just like love hearing all of them. The thing is, I can't remember everybody else's story only my own and I have like maybe short-term memory problem I've been diagnosed you know and so I'm, I'm not sure how bad that is but like I can't remember everybody's story mine of course, you know you never forget but everybody else's like I'll be like so interested and and really into it and then I might remember bits and pieces but that's just where my memory is you know anything right right like when I used to have cases when I did investigations someone would say somebody's name I'm like, I have no idea who you mean. Tell me a little bit about the story. And they give me like a couple of sentences like, oh, okay, now I can tell you everything, you know, to jumpstart me. But I just mm. don't retain and carry stuff like that. So, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that, that they don't read other people's stories because they're afraid it'll taint their own or something. Well, so, it, 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 it becomes a matter. You know your own, what happened to you. I mean, it's not like you're telling a story. You're reliving a moment. Um, and I think that's why it's so hard for me with the book is, is 
I'm, I'm reliving the moment and, and I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'll, I'll write eight pages about something that only took two seconds, you know, because <laughs> it's like everything is there, the feeling, the emotion, how do you describe it? And, and I've got to get short winded about it. Um, but that's, that's the thing. And a lot of folks have, have said that because they, they know their own story and they know that what they're saying is 110% truth. And yet we've been challenged in various circles, um, asking, you know, well, that could have just been brain synapses, you know, whatever. Mm, no, <laughs> I don't think there's a part of my brain that says, here, smell apple velva when you die. <laughs> I haven't quite bought into that one. But we feel very passionately about our story. We, we, we want that emotion to come across because it's getting to the other folks who haven't had that experience who are just watching and saying, wow, you know, that happened to that guy. And he felt better afterwards. So maybe, maybe I'll just change what I'm doing without having to die. And all those good things will start happening for me. And that's what I think our message is. And when we try to when we try to read into other people's stories, at least when I hear it anyway, it, it, it's, it's not mine. So it's, I'm reading a novel, if that makes sense. Instead of reading a hard you know, law book, I'm reading a novel. And, and if I approach it that way, then I can read them. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I want that crystal clarity. I don't want to ever forget, ever, 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 ever. It amazes me how everybody has their different reporting style. Like I'm factual, truthful type person, you know, I like, I, I saw this, I heard that, and then I was there and then I saw this and I heard that, you know, and where a lot of people, I hear them say, not really the details, what they saw and heard, they start, therefore, that means that we all this and that we all that. And, and I can't identify with them when they do that, because I have to see it in my mind, what they saw, what they heard, and what they felt, right. their emotions. And, and then when they get talking like that, I, I'm just like lost. I don't like, they might as well talk another language. Exactly. They, each one of their, I'm sorry, each one of the experiences are designed for our own individual purpose. And to extrapolate a bunch of different meanings from that is taking it a stretch, unless that's a message that you've been given. And like I said, mine's remember to love. So I, I have a wristband that I have, and, and I look at that when things get stressful. Um, but mine isn't to get up in, the, in the, the synagogues and the churches and the meeting places and, and spout all, we've got to all do this or, or we're all going to end up in this place and that place and 
we can save ourselves a lot of trouble if we're just nice to each other. We got thousands of people trying to get that message across. So when, what we're trying to get across is number one, there's hope. There's hope. This isn't the end of the road. This is just a waypoint. And two, they'll be happy to see us. And we'll finally get the answers to a lot of the questions that we've had in this lifetime. And if we get those answers, then the current lifetime can become better, whatever definition that takes for, for them. But I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, when people start getting, I call it woo-woo. When you start getting woo-woo on me, I'm done. Yeah, like, like I don't know what to make of it. Like, you know, give me something I can work with. You know, I, I can't put that anywhere in my head I can't, if I can't right. see it. Because I want to see their experience. I want to see, you know, just like you tell me you walk down the road and you saw a bird and then you saw a duck and you and you touched the bird and the bird went from blue to purple, you know, whatever. Tell me what you saw, <laughs> even how crazy it might sound. Tell me what you saw. And But when they say, you know, like I said, therefore... Like these are just ideas and their beliefs, and and I don't see where you got those beliefs by what you're telling me you saw and heard and experienced. I'm not making the connection where you got. You know, I'll ask them sometimes. So then when they start doing that, and I'm like, did a voice tell you that? It was a mm. feeling, you know, like this. We are all one. I'm like, what does that mean? How did you know it? Did they say that? I can never get a clear answer where you're getting that at. But so many of them say, it. so we're all one. I'm like, but how are you all one? You know, like if you if somebody didn't tell you that or if you didn't see it in some form, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I, I mean, when somebody says that to me, I think of, yes, we all come from the same source. So, yes, we are all part of the one source. Um, from there, logical application needs to take over. And, and so how do we handle that information? And in, in my particular case, I just tried to be nice to the people around me. And as you said, that makes you feel good in here, then you want to do that a little bit more. And so that little area of the community feels a lot better. And when I, when I, you know, I, I, often forget about this when i moved away from that area i got a letter of recommendation from the town administrator saying you couldn't ask for a better guy than this and i'm thinking you know how many people in government are really going to take the time to write a nice thank you and recommend you to somebody else uh so i i I'm so grateful to feel like I affected that town that I love so much. And before I had been an occupant thereof, and afterwards I became a resident in full. And, and that's how we start making things better just being nice to ourselves and then being nice to other people. Yeah. Like, you know, people go to church and that's great, you know, but I'm, but sometimes I think, you know, sometimes I feel like some people like keep it. And I have been guilty of that too, a lot is to keep everything in here and not let it come out and make use of it. 
you know, like shine your light and share it because we can be self, um, self-conscious, you know, shy, all those things I was. And then when we break out with our NDE and, and let, I don't really have the words, just let it open up and, and be, instead of trying to control our, every situation. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're taught we have to be in control and we have to, you know, be good citizens and, you know, don't step out of line, don't offend anybody. Um, but what that's done is it's also made us not talk to anybody. Yeah. It makes us not reach out. Uh, yes, we've had a very, very bad situation with the pandemic. And then I had my own individual challenge that I was down. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. You know, I go to work, come home, go to sleep. Um, just because I was in so much pain all the time. Um, and now it's, it's, it's kind of like after my NDE, it's, 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 how can I start opening up again? And, and it starts with being nice to people at the 7-Eleven and, and then, then it expands from there. Um, and it's not the first time people have ever reset their lives and it, it won't be the last. But it starts with remembering to love. And, and that, that was my experience. And that's why I always come back to that. Uh, what's the practical application of love? Well, singers and songwriters and poets have been trying to figure that out for years. All I think it is, is be kind to people. Be kind to people, whether they are close to you or not. Be kinder to the ones who are close to you. Yeah. I've seen several uh, YouTube videos of, I don't know if there's 7-Elevens, like gas stations like that, where people just coming in, getting stuff quick, and how rude and mean and horrible they are to the cashier. Oh, yeah. Like, she has a camera there, and they're just awful <laughs> to each other, too. Uh, absolutely. And, and you have to think that there's an internal conflict, whatever that may be. And, and, and it's resolving that internal conflict by saying to yourself, it's okay. They love me anyway. Where it matters, they love me. So all I have to do is remember to love me now. I know for decades, my way of thinking was everywhere I went, whether it was work or in a store or a party, my way of thinking was they don't like me. They don't like me. They don't like me. They don't like me. So I was very closed off. And people would say they thought that I thought that I was better than everybody else. And it wasn't that. Mm. It was just like, I know they don't like me. So why even try? They just don't like me. Everywhere I go, they don't like me. And so I just went around with attitude. And then I noticed when I changed my attitude, everybody loves me. <laughs> it's just great. Everybody does love me then. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> just breeze oh, I, through the door. Everybody loves me and everybody does. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It, it, I couldn't agree with you more. I was so sympathetic when you were saying, nobody likes me, nobody likes me, nobody likes me. That's how I was trained. 
So walking into a store, I was like you, so closed off, so closed off. And when some people would say to me, you know, well, you just think you're better than they are. Really? That's how they saw you it. How they only it. had an idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's really amazing how that works. So, is there so anything if else? We, if, if we just get people to remember to love, then then it's worth it. Right yeah. then and there. Now, I'd rather not have another heart attack to have to give that message, but I'm not afraid anymore. Right. You know, we're all afraid of pain or afraid of not being ready. And, you know, I was almost in a car wreck here like a year ago. It was it was beautiful Saturday afternoon, nice weather. <laughs> and and all of a sudden this I started getting this feeling like there's something bad going to happen. I was like, this, there's nobody in my way. You know, it's two lane. It's going right town to town, 10 minutes from my house. And I said, I don't care. I just got this off of feeling. So I just said, well, what do I got to lose? Just pray. God protect me. All of a sudden, this black SUV approaches and gets in my lane for no reason. There's nobody to pass. It's only me and the, and it's coming right towards me. I thought, death wants me. It wants me right now. And just, I know what you mean by it. It's just like, it's a beautiful day. Like, that's what my thought was. It's a beautiful day. I'm not supposed to die like on a beautiful day today, right now. Like, really? And I'm thinking, you know, my husband's going to be called, my sons will be called, and, you know, a squad's going to be here to be cleaning up this mess. And it's just a beautiful day. It's just not right to die. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I've always told myself, don't swerve because, you know, people get in worse accidents by swerving. And so I've always, you don't swerve. And so, but then it's like my, left hand i just seen it like well we can just sort of just a bit and it just barely passed in my lane i don't know what it was doing i don't know if it was trying to kill me i don't know if it's on a cell phone i don't know what it was but they didn't jerk it was just coming straight at me and i thought i'm gonna die right now and then so then i braced for the crunch because i thought we're gonna sideswipe. not a sound not a bump a review mirror and i seen it go over and get us lane but yeah, when you said that about, you know, it's a nice day, it's like, <laughs> it's not a day to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it was a beautiful day. The sky was blue and little did I know I'd end up in the ICU. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's a the title of your book. <laughs> I, it'll be in there. It'll be in there. There's, there's a lot there. It, the pages are there. <laughs> it's just putting it together that are, you know. I found challenging, well, good but it's coming. I feel it's coming. All right. Um, we just got to get this message out there. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Glad you're with us. My appreciation is overwhelming. And just remember, everybody loves us. <laughs> everybody loves us. That's it right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. See ya.